0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: everybody woo! i am i think this is the most pumped i have ever been like i actually got sleep today it's yours truly the new mistress of the dark move over alvira i'm taking over it's belaysian quita here welcome back to another episode of this fine program known as the Kirby Melhead show where we bring you alternative sounds and multicultural opinions today's guest oh man this is the most requested interview that I have ever gotten on this program. And who I'm talking about is Lena Dawes, author, cultural critic, just well-rounded intellectual, um, definitely to me, one of my interpersonal role models that, you know, I grew up with. And she, to me, um, and many others paved the way for us young folks to be sitting here and, getting whiplash and all that from rocking out too much. But, of course, she's the author of What Are You Doing Here? A Black Woman's Life and Liberation in Heavy Metal. This is like my rock Bible, my hardcore Bible, besides my other Bible, because I don't want to get struck by lightning enough. <laughs> shout out to G.O.D. for being wonderful, okay? But <laughs> that's besides the point. Let's get into some riot talk, shall we? So, I have sleepless nights like I don't know what the heck is wrong with me I have insomnia or something like that but I have been really obsessed with this MMORPG which is simply entitled Dungeon Fighter Online this was formerly known as Mystic Fighter Online and I can't for some reason you can use a PC gaming controller with this game and I have tried everything I installed the drivers on Microsoft's website for it I've tried multiple controllers. I cannot get this game to work. So if you are a Dungeon Fighter Online fan or if you like MMORPGs in general and you just want to talk to Lena Dawes today, please call in at area code 713 I'm going to keep it short because I could talk all day. But find out later what I think about this Apple Watch and what I also think about Wendy Williams being on the cover of Ebony Magazine. So one thing that's important here at the Curvy mellowhead Show is diversity in music. And I love K-pop. I'm so obsessed with K-pop that I feel I'm turning into a young Korean girl myself. Here's a band that's been on the top of the charts of the M Countdown here, number one for a just consecutive weeks. It's been ridiculous. Here is Exo with Call Me Baby. Call
0: me, baby. Call me, baby. 너를 마주하는 순간 oh my 편하게 여기 앉아 이제 내 얘기를 들어봐
2: When them chefs in the street, they call me Daylock, as if I lost my soul. Still got it, baby boy. Then it's the sound on troll Check the file. Why we running international like no other? Me and the picture rocking them New York Knicks and them Elma Glitch colors. They got it for two five, but we got it for three, baby. Because you going to get hooked off this verbal dope We cook that's how it's on me, baby. It's digital all sorts. World we live, man, get with it, or get quiet we Stay home while we stay on that night, dear Jones, y'all The world's not dying, dying When we glide the world, what we telling them? Still got it, baby boy Within the loudest crowds, what we yell at them? Still got it, baby boy Walk amongst the people, what they are saying? Still got it, baby boy those that thought they were equal, they demise saying Still got it, baby boy they Young boys, you sat on the suit playing punch bucket. Now we OGs you driving, driving. Limit width, 2016. Just watch what we call perfect diamonds. The cradle is straight. The bridge got a cradle of steak. We dying like Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. If you on seconds with nothing to share, then kill yourself. What's life worth living, Case studies say hip hop is dead, huh? I think I need to taste the of pudding. Proof in it. The God was a kid when sales went from platinum to wooden. Special affairs Who cares about the special effects, y'all? We like no others. Show respect to this grown man Ain't young fella Recorded your mother Now when I walk in the street They call me daylight, As if I lost my soul I still got it baby boy Check the nights baby boy Overseas and domestic. Until the papers extend. You like foxes in the wild. We live with God's child. Fuck what would y'all think. When we glide the world, what we telling them? Still got it, baby boy. Within the loudest crowds, what we yell at them? Still got it, baby boy. Walk amongst the people, what they are saying? Still got it, baby boy. Those that thought they were equal, they demise saying. Still got it, baby boy.
1: Right, that was my homeboys there, De La Soul featuring Nas with Got It. So, yeah, you know, it just goes to show old school and new school can come together and make a beautiful mix. Before our guest comes on today, let me tell you a little bit more about Lena Dawes. Lena Dawes is the author of What Are You Doing Here? A Black Woman's Life and Liberation Heavy Metal. And this is Lena's first nonfiction book and first nonfiction general interest book to specifically focus on race, gender, and identity in metal, hardcore, and punk music cultures. She investigates how metal, hardcore, and punk music and culture can serve as a liberating and empowering vehicle for Black women to express their individuality part memoir the book includes interviews with black women in metal punk and hardcore as well as their fans musicians and industry workers about their experiences in the extreme music scenes i am so excited to have her on and like i said she is very influential to me um being interested in the industry as well and I I have to say I, I've just been so great just grateful um, that I was able I came across her book actually by accident I was just um, looking for black women in metal and I was like why are there not a lot of us well apparently I was wrong there are plenty um, it's just a matter of who you know who is the decision maker on making sure that these artists get recognized properly so if you want to talk to Lena, please make sure you call in you don't want to miss this interview it's going to be popping it's going to be happening and once again area code 713-955-0571 is the number so that that way you'll be able to have a chance to talk to her because she is absolutely wonderful here is a special remix of sierra's i bet featuring ti here only on the Curvy Mellowhead Show. This is the
0: remiss. I bet you start loving me. I bet you start loving me. Silicone X, and the Brazilian head. You ain't gonna respect me, no, 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 till I'm not there. See, I got you comfortable, now you ain't.
2: The first thing first, never leave me like you can't do work. Don't blame me if dad said, Ducks don't somebody who about worth ten plus. I swear, hey, believe it, do truck, hit, hit. Sit down with the crown, get a crib downtown. Love a couple million bucks in the truck this year, and then more like I can say for them duck out I, The definition of a nigga would have been ain't made a way going. Need someone to help him with it, it's a fortune your way going. He just need a way to get it. All them niggas that you did is trying to find a way to hit it, hey. Then you follow yeah, is your ambition, and your I ain't wasting time, i convincing confessing you to listen. We make each other happy, or it's best I keep my distance. Cause I can get you when another nigga did it. It's cold. Get it's the way of the world, responsibility for when you say you my girl. We don't check a form with the ways of the world. Now nah, we make change, have our way with the world. Hey, keep it a 100 with your real shit. When I'm trying to keep my mind on my million, I'm should be too much for me to deal with. But if you leave me for whoever, they will never love you better, girl. I
0: bet you
1: with abstract ritual they're fantastic if you have the chance please make sure to check out their twitter which is at twitter.com slash omega diatribe and you can pick up this song at omega diatribe.bandcamp.com and we're just waiting for lana dawes to come in so uh, that way we can talk to her and ask all those questions that I'm sure many of you have been wanting and wishing to ask. Also, I got to give shout outs to guests 1142 in the room. Thank you so much for sticking in there and listening. And if you have anything on your mind today, because you know you can talk to yours truly, okay? You can call in at area code 713 While we're waiting here, let's get into part one of the alternative beatdown, where I pretty much just tell you how it is about what's going on in the world of news, rock, metal, and all of that good stuff. Number one thing that everyone seems to be buzzing about is this Apple Watch. I mean, for crying out loud, it's so... I'm on the actual Apple store right now, okay? And this watch is supposed to be coming out tomorrow. So, like, everybody's all balls to the wall about it. And there are three types here. There's a 38 stainless steel case with white sports band. It's for $549. Or you can get the 42 mm stainless steel case with white sports band for $599. I mean, come on. Let's be real here. These prices are absurd. They're absolutely absurd. I don't see why everybody's making such a big deal about this Apple Watch. I, I mean, personally, for me, I feel like it's just like the gear. It's just an accessory to have, and it makes you look cool. And I know all the Mac heads are going to be all pissy-pissy. Hey, I'm I'm a semi-Mac head myself. Um, but honestly, I, I just feel it, it's just not worth that type of investment and i even i think beyonce actually ended up getting like a really special one uh, of course that she would get it because you know she is beyonce right uh but i found this other interesting article about the apple watch from The theverge.com It says that tomorrow, Apple's most eager customers will open up their Apple Watches and try out some of their favorite apps for the first time. In many cases, the developers who made those apps will be using the watch for the first time as well. Though Apple has not so secretly been inviting developers big and small to the trial sessions with the Apple Watch, developers are largely putting out apps that they don't have actual experience using. And this is from one of the people, the creators, it says it's an entirely new platform and no one, no one has access to one, says Adam Grossman, founder of Dark Sky. And then yet they're expected to make apps for it. So that's so funny that Apple would have this watch come out and even the developers are nervous about how this is actually going to go down. I mean, quite frankly, to me, once again, I feel the Apple Watch is overrated. I feel that, you know, I have a MacBook Pro just like anybody else should, you know, because if you're in the media, definitely. But here's the thing I always say, I believe in open source, and I believe in multi-platformism, okay? Meaning that if you have a Mac, you have a PC. You can find applications for both, especially shout-out to the people who use Ubuntu. For those of you who are not tech-savvy, tech, tech savvy, Ubuntu is pretty much a version of Linux, and it's, it's just really well done. And you can open up, you know, all different types of programs with it so definitely you know look into linux look into pcs they have computers of all different price ranges you really don't want to waste your time on something that's not efficient for you let me tell you well let's get back here into the music here uh one of my favorite drag queens for those of you who have not watched rupaul's drag race season seven girl you have better and the guys out there too anybody who's listening you gotta watch this program it is crazy these queens came for blood they came to play for season seven and i am glad that milwaukee's very own trixie mattel is back at it and i i feel she's gonna be in the top three if she gets screwed over again i'm gonna be super pissed because she's really talented i didn't like some of her outfits at first but she has this very unique type of drag um she describes herself as looking like a muppet in drag which i thought was really hilarious but here's one of my favorite queens cuz i'm obsessed with the asian drag queens here's manila luzon manila luzon with hot couture and here's a cool remix of it here on the curvy melhead show welcome, welcome, welcome to to being Cup, it's a good circle, No, it's fine, it's fine. It's it's two different times. I absolutely forget. I I'm sometimes I'm so close minded, I'm like, you know, everybody just runs a my time zone. You know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: For it, some reason I was thinking California. I don't know. <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> I wish I was living in California.
3: Yeah, me too.
1: <sighs> that it, it's just been nothing but, you know, snow and cold and i mean it's nice outside today but it's absolutely absurd
3: yeah well it's yeah i mean today in new york i'm in brooklyn right now um i think the last time i talked to you i was living in toronto so it's it's always a little better in new york than it is in canada so
1: yeah shouldn't really complain (laughs) yeah i know right and you know being exposed to everything in the the city has to be absolutely wonderful Mm-hmm.
3: Well, yeah, it's, um, I, I'm in graduate school, so it's, I'm not really in, <laughs> doing much except for studying, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you know, it's pretty good.
1: Yeah, I can, I can feel your pain, but I, I have to tell you, Lana, like I, like I said, way, way back when, um, you and, and many others have been that ammunition for me. Um, to pursue what I do, uh, because so many women of color I see out there, they like metal, they like rock, maybe they like a little bit of everything, and they still are not getting, whether it's that proper recognition or on top of that, you know, people not take, because I remember when I talked to Militia, and she mentioned that same thing, is that, you know, she would get offers for things, but then people would, want her to be like the next Lenny, you know, like a female version of Lenny Kravitz. Like, where do you feel that's coming from? Because it's not to say that there's not enough people of color, both male and female, that's doing this. There's plenty.
3: Well, it's, I mean, there's not, I mean, the issue is is that there's no recognition. I mean, we're still, um, like, in terms of Militia, um, you know, as you know, she's a fantastic singer. She's um, done a lot in her career. Um, but I think that there's still this resistance because she she's not, she doesn't fit into an archetype and people are looking for archetypes. Um, they're looking for, they don't, they're not thinking outside of the box and there's still this, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with marketing too, but there's still this, you know, notion that black people should be doing this, white people should be doing this. Um, you know, if a black person is doing um, you know, rock, metal, hardcore, um, punk. Um, how are they going to be marketed? Are is the public, you know, ready, quote unquote, ready for that? Which is ridiculous. But there's still a lot of issues in in relation to race and especially gender and specifically, you know, black women, where people are. Um, I think there's a level of fear. Um, in terms of intimidation, and there's just this, well, what are we supposed to do with them? So I think that we are seeing. Um, I mean, it's amazing since the book has come out, and since the last time I spoke to you, there's been, I've met so many more young black women who are in metal bands, um, who are playing instruments. Um, you know, so they are out there, but it's also, there's still this resistance in terms of getting them into. Not only, I mean, I don't really care much about mainstream media, but if you're looking at the publications that are centered towards um, alternative music, it's trying to get, you know, that type of media attention. And it's still really hard because there is still quite a bit of resistance.
1: Exactly. And of course, everyone should know by now, this book is called What Are You Doing Here? Black Women's Life and Liberation Heavy Metal. I have read this book, honestly, probably three or four times, and I always find something new when I read it. But in particular, I remember in the beginning of the book that you mentioned that um, there was definitely a risk with you publishing this book and that some people stopped talking to you. Like, why would people stop talking to you when you're being progressive? That's something that's always kind of boggled my mind every time I read this book.
3: Well, because I'm being progressive. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically it. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I guess there's a, I mean, since time has gone on, I, I, you know, I wish I had more of a salient answer for you, but I don't. I think that, you know, people don't like... Um, I mean, a real, I mean, I just, I I just find, you know, I'm still always amazed at this, that there is this people like to be comfortable. They like to kind of know what they think they know. They don't like to be taken out of their comfort zone um, and they don't like being taken out of this, you know, to have to think more than they um, usually do. So I think that, You know, like, it's been very painful in terms of, you know, losing a few friends um, because of this journey. Um, But I think that for anybody that does create art um, or does anything in their lives that kind of, you know, is out of the mainstream, this is what's going to happen. You know, I just, I think for me, I think what a lot of people don't really understand, especially about, you know, Forget about your ethnicity. If you're growing up in a, you know, in a, any generation, you're just automatically going to want to do what you want to do because you see other people doing it. I I just find it always fascinating when it comes to, you know, these types of music, this type of music, how there's this resistance to people just doing what is going on around them. So if your friends are listening to metal, you want to listen to metal. I'm a, you know, when I was a kid, I listened, you know, I read, you know, I was a music magazine fanatic, and I dreamed about wanting to be a music journalist, so I did it. And it's just very simple. You know, I I don't think in some ways I'm doing, and also I had a question in terms of why am I always the only black woman at shows and whatnot? And so I wanted to kind of answer that question, so I don't really think I've done anything completely out of the box, but to some people it's been you know it's it's been intimidating because you know um you know and this also goes back to um you know black women and our positions in society in terms of um when you do have an opinion and you do assert yourself. Um, you know there is resistance to that, regardless of whatever you know field or whatever you do. So you're dealing with kind of doing something slightly different, but you're also dealing with having an opinion and being assertive. You know, in my life, and that is intimidating um, to a lot of people.
1: Yeah, because that that's something I, I've I've realized even with my own journey and and things to that degree. Like when I go to, yeah, it could be any show, you know, like you said, it's just these automatic kind of standards that are set in place. And even the article that what I found really interesting too, is that a a writer, uh, her name is Kim Lute, and she wrote this article about the problem with black women. And she was saying as, you know, and, and that's why I feel like there's it's such an underlying issue. There's a the, there's still this colorism issue, and then that translates into the music. And now she's saying that that's the reason why you know it's kind of hard for her. Like you mentioned, is that she's, you know, a successful writer, but she can't seem. And that's where I I struggle as well. Is like I'm trying to do things to, be bring awareness to my people. But then when I look at my social media, it's usually my people who have the issue. Like, why do you feel, maybe from your experience, you know, because you were doing this, you know, before social media was, you know, the the thing now, like how it is today.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I think that within the black community, I mean, and that's been the most hurtful. I think that if anybody, like if a non-black person tries to step to me and criticize me, it doesn't bother me as much as it does when it comes from my own community, and I think it's because, in terms of you know black culture and black um originated culture, whether it's hip hop or whether it's
4: blues or
3: jazz or you know various other things that our people have created, when you step out of that and you are doing something that's perceived as being white centric um there's this sense that you are somehow, you hate yourself. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh,
0: oh, this is a so tough anyway. topic. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was professional.
3: Anyway, oh. um, <laughs> but I think that there is this, um, there is this reason because it's seen as, You don't, you know, I I had a funny incident that happened. Um, I wrote about it on Facebook a couple of days. I just was talking to this guy, this black guy on the street who was really cool. And I told him I was Canadian and he started laughing and he goes, oh, so you're not a real black. (laughs) You know, and I was, I was like, I was sort of like, I don't really know how I should be responding to that because it made no sense to me. But anyway, I think that it's that type of attitude that you're getting where if you are interested in doing something else, we, you know, we, we are in North America, you know, black people, you know, we've grown up with this, you know, sometimes not so subtle um, kind of meme that we should hate ourselves, that we aren't good enough, that we, Um, you know, we are always second best or third best. Um, So I think that there's a certain pride when it comes to black cultural artifacts um, in terms of art. So if you are doing something within the art realm that is coded as white, it's automatically perceived as that there's something wrong with you, you know, that you hate yourself. You don't like yourself. You think you want to be white. You think that you're white. You're, you know, white, 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 you know, and it's just, you know, because there's a lot of, there's an emotional um, attachment to the things that have been created from our community. So this is why there's so much resistance in terms of you as a young black woman who's grown up on, like, it's it's very common sense to me in terms of you as a black woman who have grown up in, you know, listening to metal, you're creating your own project because this is what you grew up on and this is what you love. And it doesn't make any sense why you're getting all of this you know, resistance to something that has nothing really to do with your ethnicity or your gender. It has to do with you as an individual and your passions and desires. So we, have, we still have a long way to go within our community in terms of trying to individualize ourselves and trying to just do things that make us as individuals um, shine and I think that for black men it's a little easier because um, as you know you know there's more black men um, participants within the metal scene because it is a hyper masculine genre but for black women in, um in metal hardcore and punk you know there's also you know we're dealing with these kind of self-negativity issues coming from the outside but we're also dealing with sexism too so I think that's why you know it's it's you know you do get those comments or you do get this resistance because it seems as though you're you're betraying your race. But I think also we also have to stop. And I mean, this is something that um, I think we've seen over the last five or six months when we're dealing with Michael Brown and Eric Gardner and all the other you know african american men and women who have been killed by the police is that when we as black people are talked about from the other is like we are perceived as a monolithic entity but the black community has adopted that practice into thinking that we are a monolithic entity that we all are exactly the same and that we should always adhere to a certain um you know archetype so we you know so we don't embarrass or shame the race So that is also, like we complain that the media has done that to us, but we are doing it within ourselves, and that's what brings up issues of colorism and, you know, um, racially, uh, you know, uh, kind of as as black women dealing with uh, sexism and racism is that we are kind of policing ourselves because we're so used to being policed by the outside world.
1: Yeah, that's honestly, that's exactly, you know, how I feel because it's like in one step, myself being a grad student as well, um, I tell myself, okay, I'm, you know, I'm doing this because I really, you know, I not only enjoy the music, I'm, you know, but at the same time, like you mentioned, it's that rock and the hard plays. I mean, there are shows like Love and Hip Hop, that whole entire program. People have protested it and said, oh, well, you know, this show is not appropriate, but there's still 10 to 20 million black people, you know, still watching that show and endorsing it. So it's kind of like when you're a scholar, it's you're taking two steps forward, you're taking two steps back, you're taking two steps forward, and then you continue kind of playing this, you know, this game until eventually people... And that's why I feel it's starting to slowly happen now. Like, people are starting to see, like, oh, yeah, we should have more people of color at the Golden God Awards. And we should have, you know, these type of platforms. But then what – and this is something I I wanted in particular. Oh, and, of course, (laughs) uh, her call got dropped. She'll definitely call back in. But please, please, this is a serious topic, people. Call in area code 713 0571. We're talking to Lena Dawes, of course. And she is back here. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it's one of those days. It's okay. <laughs> yeah.
3: So okay, so you were talking about love and hip hop. That yes. show. And so and what
0: were you...
3: you yeah
1: well... Yeah, like oh, how do you sorry. feel about that? Because like for me, I feel that this is a show that black people complain about other shows like sorority sisters, which got taken off of the air, of course, because, you know, people didn't like the, the perception, but there's still this 10 to 20 million, you know, audience, which still a high majority are black viewers, you know, and they watch these programs. And then now they're starting to slowly see that, okay, well, black people can look, you know, outside of that. But what do you feel is the core to why, we continue having this, well, I like to call it ratchet TV because that's really what it is.
3: Well, because it sells and people make money, you know, I mean, if you are, it it sells and people make money. I mean, I think I always look at it as why in order for shows like that to exist, you've got to get people on those shows. So if, if people didn't, if people were saying to themselves, Oh, you know, I don't want to be on the show because I'm going to look like an asshole. Then you want to (laughs) have these shows, right? So I mean, I think that you know, but people want to be on television; they want to get paid. Um, We know that ministry, black buffoonery sells, and so you know, and so it's just that this is why they exist. And I think that in terms of the um, viewers, it's a good question because I I can't even watch Empire, but I wrote a I wrote a piece um on empire um when it first came out and i was uh critical of it um and i got a lot of flack from people i know because they were like you know how dare you and i was kind of being perceived as being uppity but i'm just sort of like i just think that it's just you know rolling out the same negative racial stereotypes and buffoonery that I think that, and there's more diversity within Black communities. Why don't we see shows that show the diversity instead of just going back to the same tired racial tropes? But those racial tropes sell. And I think that also in terms of Black viewers, is we are so happy to support Black faces on television that people will just blindly watch and blindly support these shows simply because we are on television. So they're not too, too concerned about, like they might be sitting at home saying, well, I'm not a character on Love and Basketball or Love and Hip Hop. Um, I'm not like that. But I think that, you know, it's and I guess this is the contradiction between being perceived as a monolithic entity, which is bad, but then also realizing that sometimes being perceived as a monolithic entity is good. Because there is this you know concern that we don't want people to like we know like we don't want people to watch these shows and think that we're all like that, but as a minority in am- you know in north america it's it is perceived as saying this is all people can do, and this is all black people can do in terms of entertainment on television um I think that there's a show that I just finished watching, uh being Mary Jane on BET. And I actually love that show, um, you know, um, because it's about a 40 year old black woman who's a, you know, um, she's, you know, she's not perfect. She has this career and it's all about um, Gabrielle Union as the actor. And I actually think it's a really good show, but it does not fall into the same stereotype. It's not funny. It's not um, provocative. It's, simply about a real life situation and even though i believe that show is like i enjoy it i think it's way more um professionally done than you have your empire um show i think it's way more realistic but that's not getting any press that's not getting the press as much as empire is getting so it's kind of a double-edged sword where it's great to see, you know, this, you know, representation on television. Um, but in some ways there is this, you know, weird thing where, you know, we are, as viewers, you know, watching this and consuming it because if we weren't, these shows would not be on television. So, you know, it's 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 a difficult thing. I, I just, you know, I don't really watch those shows and I don't really – quite understand what what is going on it doesn't speak my truth it doesn't speak my experience but obviously it's speaking you know people are enjoying it but I think that it's also a little dangerous in terms of I'm I don't know it's like even like it's like scandal I don't watch scandal either I don't I don't like Shonda Ryan. I don't watch any of her shows I don't understand. I. I think that the characters talk too fast and it bothers me, gives me a headache. (laughs) However, (laughs) woman makes bank, right? She makes a lot of money. But I think so you can, but it's a soap opera and it's meant to be perceived in tongue in cheek and I understand that. I think the issue is, is that there's more diversity in our communities than what is portrayed on television and I wish people would put in some money and invest some time into looking at the other aspects of, black people as individuals and putting that on television.
1: Right. I would say the closest thing that I've seen so far um that I actually liked was blackish. That that was probably the first show that I've seen in a while that tackles those type of issues such as, you know, people of color who are in different religious views or maybe want to practice um, you know, a faith that's kinda outside of you know, things like Christianity, things like that. So I think, like you said, for me personally, I feel the key thing that will change things around is if we have people like ourselves that get into those particular driver's seats and produce. And you can produce, there are web series. Like I love Awkward Black Girl. You know, Issa Rae Mm -hmm. is probably – one of the more progressive um, producers of of that type of content and now Pharrell, you know, with the channel I Am Other, that's a step in the right direction. But like you said, it's a double-edged sword. It's like, okay, smart black people doesn't make profit, you know, unless there's some, it's always some kind of controversy. Like, you know, I was watching CNN and they had, you know, Trinity James on, and they were talking about the N-word, of course people are going to watch that. But if it were, you know, yourself or maybe some other people and we want to have a discussion about, you know, what's, you know, why are these issues happening or, you know, different stuff that's outside of entertainment, people don't think that there's um, a profit margin in it. So I think the only thing that you can really do is you just have to keep Doing it, you know, just like what Rosa Parks did, you know, if she didn't say I'm not sitting in the back, you know, I don't think um, the civil rights or a lot of these movements, you know, it's always that one person that or a couple people that change things around. So I I think just like what you said, that would be the key to the things changing. But that's just me.
3: Well, I mean, I think that you know, web series. I mean, I think that when you look at issues like, um, you know, blackish. And uh, you know, and what Issa Rae is doing, um, uh, Pharrell, you know, I kind of give him the side eye on a few things. We'll see, but I, mm-hmm. I believe even with that, there's still a few parameters there. Um, there's still like there's still a sense of respectability politics that exists,
0: mm-hmm. um,
3: and I understand that because people, that's what you know the mainstream wants, or you know, um, you know mainstream Black communities want. So they like a little edge, and they like a little nerdiness, and they like a little difference. But it's it's still it's still measured, you know. There's still this baroque, um, you know. There's still this barrier in place in terms of how far you can actually go, um, you know. So I, you know, we still have a long way to go. But I think some of the interesting characters I've seen have been of black people, um, have actually been on shows that are not black. Centric shows, So, you know, like if you look at The Wire, well, The Wire was
0: mm-hmm. not really
3: a black show, but like, you know, The Wire had some really interesting characters and really showed various sides of black communities in the inner city, um, you know, shows like The Shield, um, a few, you know, folks on Sons of Anarchy um, you know, there it's peppered here and there in terms of interesting black characters. And they're perceived as individuals and not, like, you know, beholden to this, you know, the entire black community. So, you know, I think we still have a long way to go. But I do agree is that, you know, you have to, you know, continue doing what you're doing. Um, you know, it's just it's just unfortunate why it has to be so hard. You know, yeah. and I think the key is, is just really trying to build you know, support systems of people that are going to, well, have faith in yourself and have confidence in yourself, but also build up support systems around you of people that will support you. You know, and that's the best way to kind of, you know, you know, um, get through and, you know, continue doing what you're doing because it's not going to be easy. Um, I think that, you know, I always, you know, maybe it's because of my age or whatever, but I really think in some ways our society is going backwards. Yeah. I think that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it wasn't, you know, we're in this weird conservative, you know, bent. Um, and I think that there was actually more freedom, more creative freedom for black people to do their thing um, 10, 15, even 20 years ago than it is now, which is unfortunate. Uh,
1: no, I, no, that's, that's definitely what, what I've looked at. Cause like I look at, you know, things that were going on during my parents' time, and I look at stuff now, and yeah, there is this weird reversal of of conservatism going on, and I see that you're, like, all over the place. I mean, you know, you have c- people from all over the world consult you and talk to you. Like, what have you been, you know, doing recently? I hope you release a sequel to this book, because that would be amazing.
3: Well, I think that... I mean, there's so much stuff that has happened um, in the last year um, that you know I, I I I'd like to. I'm I'm working, you know, I'm doing my thesis right now, and so that's a, definitely a continuation of the book. Um, I'm focusing more on one specific area for my thesis, and so I'm really enjoying that and really, you know, discovering a, just a ton of information. Um, from my my academic colleagues who are studying heavy metal, so I'm I'm really kind of stoked um, on the project I'm working on right now. But I I definitely um, think that there's you know there's a lot more to be written about. I think that what I'd like to do and what I have, and as you know, as a graduate student, you know, time is of the limit. But I think it's also yeah. I'm always like really excited about promoting people and like promoting new artists um who because there's just so many black women who are doing really great things and they're actually really fucking good so i think that it's really important to try and promote and and do what i can to shed light on people like Molisha, um people like kimar Kelly. um there's a couple of new singers that have come out um in the last well less than a year um Boxy Phillips, um, from Bleed the Pigs. Um, she's in a it's a grindcore band. Uh, Kayla Dixon. Um, there's a woman whose name I can't remember who's now the lead singer of this great doom band from Portland called um, Witch Mountain. So there's a lot of you know, you're seeing more young black women coming out and doing their thing. So I think it's really uh, important, but one thing I did do this January on my um, Christmas break was I got the opportunity to um, I was actually offered um, a residency at a hotel in Manhattan for a night. So basically, mm-hmm. they said, you know, here's a here's a hotel room, everything is on us, and just create something. So w- what I did was I in- I um, invited um, eleven black women who are uh, musicians, metal, hardcore punk fans, anybody that was um, involved in the alternative arts. There was a DJ there, um, journalists, writers, um, singers. Um, and we just all like, you know, put them in a hotel room. And my friend Faith Pennix, who's a filmmaker, um, she uh, filmed the whole thing. And basically we just had a round table discussion on um, their experiences within the scenes that they were into. And it turned out amazing. And I think that it was great because no one really knew each other. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just basically, like, just looked at everybody I knew in New York (laughs) and said, come, (laughs) you know. So it was really – it was a good networking. It was a good bonding experience. It was great because people walked away thinking – Oh, you know, if I ever want to go to a show, I know somebody that I can go to a show with. And it was a really positive experience where people felt um, that they could really talk about their experiences as black women, their careers, their lives, um, sexuality, what's it like to be in the scene and dating in the scene. And so, you know, it's, um, yeah, so it's called Challenging the White Gaze, Black Women in the Alternative Arts. It's on YouTube. Um and it's you know, it's gotten a really great reception. And so um I wanna do things like that in terms of building these black uh communities um of people who are really interested in, in something that's kind of outside of the, you know, black centric respectability, respectability politics bullshit. And um and it's and I think it's really important. I just I'm always amazed at how um you know people are saying, "You know, I need this, I need this emotionally, I need my own community. I need to be around people who are into the same things as I am and are just as passionate as I am because in our real world, um we are pretty alone, so yeah. I think it's really good to kind of build these communities, so you know I've been asked if i- w- if I'm gonna do another one of these events, and I will eventually um." once the semester is over,
0: <laughs> but,
3: you know, but I, it's something that I want to do is like really kind of move this issue into more of a visual format. I think that, um, cause I, I had a lot of, you know, white folks who saw the video who were like, Oh, that's, you know, wow. I learned so much. I didn't know. And I think that, you know, the book has done well, but I think that, um, putting a, you know, putting a face to a name really helps, in terms of letting people know that, yes, there are people out here who are doing these types of things and they're really awesome people and hopefully it will help break stereotypes about who you think should be fronting a metal band or who you think should be, you know, doing your tattoo or, you know, whatever. So, you know, that's just my little, you know, something that, you know, that was just a project that I, um
1: you know, was very lucky
3: to produce and edit,
1: so hopefully we'll do another one of those soon. Yeah, I did have a chance to to view that. Yeah, it was great. Like, it really – it's even helping me because, like, anytime, you know, if I'm doing some type of research or I'm looking into it, you know, it it seems there are the same four people that, you know, all these magazines, you know, Revolver, Mag, all of them use – and I'm like, there have got to be other people out there. So, you know, from your book and, and also, you know, from watching that, it's it's just kind of helped me because it's like I want to help the community out. You know, I'm really, you know, trying to do that because I don't want to end up being one of those, To let's be honest here, a coon DJ where there are women of color who have, you know, they have a metal show or they do a show that maybe might be half and half or a little bit of everything And they kind of play that off. on. They kind of get stereotypically labeled as being a coon DJ because most of the artists that they talk to are Caucasian. And I try my best not to do that, but it's hard. It's like I've reached out to some of these ladies and guys out there and then they don't respond or they feel I have some kind of weird motive. Like, how how do you deal with that? Because that's been a challenge... I know for me and many of us young people coming out here trying to do this.
3: Well, you know, it, it it is it is hard, and I had I I've had a couple of experiences with that myself, especially when I was working on the book. Um, I had another kind of vaguely weird experience um, with this guy when I was. It was announced I was going to the city to do this um, to do a talk, and this black um, guy was um like how dare you how dare you bring this up you know, you're making it worse for the rest of us so you know you have this attitude from people who are they 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 are afraid that if you talk about blackness then their friends or the people they associate with in whatever white centric scene they're in are going to automatically assume that oh my god the person's black so so they don't like they don't like you know there's a resistance to talking about race and kind of focusing on, let's say, black women singers or black male singers, and, you know, and some musicians and some artists and people in the industry rightly so want to be perceived by their, on their individual uh, talents and traits. They don't want to be pigeonholed into what they think is, you know, the, you know, um, the ghetto, you know, they don't want to, you know, But so there is this saying, well, I don't want to do this or I don't want to help you with this because I don't want to be seen as only being black. And they're they're reacting to, unfortunately, what is, you know, what is real, which is, you know, um, people thinking that, you know, you get five black people in a room and all of a sudden some shit's going to go down. (laughs) And they don't really want to do that in terms of their um, their career or what they want to do. They want to per- be perceived, but I always say this, it's like, you know, I remember in the book, I talked about this, you know, when I was doing the research phase, um, in Toronto, I saw this girl on the subway and she was all, you know, dressed like a punk and whatever. And I thought, Oh, she must be into the music. And so I, I sent, gave her my card. She gave me her information and I emailed her, you know, the next day or whatever, and to make a long story short she was like well i don't want people to know that i'm into this type of music like no you know she her like she you know it was basically there was this resistance that she can dress a certain way but if she listened to the music and people found out how deeply it resonated with her then she was going to be ostracized but my whole thing is is that but you're out in public dressed like a punk but what do you think people are going to think of you now? Like what does the music you listen to going to, you know, it it just didn't make any sense to me, but I was like, okay, that's cool. Like whatever. Um, But it just, you get people like that who are like, they're so afraid of being outed and they're also afraid of what their white friends are going to think. If all of a sudden, you know, we can bond, let's say on our music. But once you, but once I start identifying myself as a black person and I, and I publicly say, well, I want to help my community or I want to socialize or encourage other um, young black people to um, pick up a guitar or play the drums or whatever, all of a sudden how they are perceived by their white friends or their non-black friends is going to change and it's going to be negative. So it's a real issue. And I understand it because in some ways it's a very realistic issue because that's the way how our society is, but you're black. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you know, and it's just like you might you might try and feel like you want to live your life under the radar, but you know, if, as a as a young you know, 18 year old Michael Brown can be jaywalking across the street, get shot by a cop, and have his body lying in the hot summer heat for four hours. Y'all think that ain't gonna happen to you? <laughs> Yeah, It don't matter. When it comes right down to it, it don't matter. So you might as well just be yourself, (laughs) you know, because you cannot really change how people are going to perceive you. And you not wanting to assist or help out another person that's in the same scene as you is you're deterring yourself because people are going to accept you or they're going to reject you. And, you know, and you can't be so worried about how you're going to be perceived. So it is hard when you're dealing with that and when you, you know, and I think that, you know, it's it's hard to build these communities and it's hard to, you know, get the support because you're dealing with a lot of baggage. But ultimately, it just, you know, I think a lot of people are just very fearful and afraid, but realistically, There's nothing really they can do about how people are going to perceive them. They just have to be able to, you know, feel comfortable in their skin and do what they want to do and Mm -hmm. understand that what you're doing is beneficial. What you're doing is beneficial, and it's beneficial to them. It's not going to hurt them. It's going to help them.
1: Right. And I feel sometimes too there there is a tad bit of hypocrisy, you know, like you were mentioning with the, the first example. Like I see black goth kids, I see them and they're like, Oh, I'm not goth and I'm like, Okay, well what bands do you listen to? And then they, you know, list off, you know, certain bands and I was like, Okay, so because your white friends are around or whatever group of friends are around, you know you know deep down inside they're they're gonna identify you as black because right now our society is pretty much saying, Well, black is black, you know? And I, I just it, it that's that's the thing that kind of irks me a little bit. Is that it's like for me, I, I can't hide my blackness unless I, you know, spray paint myself, you know, <laughs> a, a, a different color, you know, but even then there are still certain attributes that you know, people may find and be like, okay, well, you know, she's black. So at this point for me, I just, maybe I'm, maybe I'm maybe straightforward with it. Like I don't hide my blackness, you know, because I feel like at this point, you know, if people are going to judge me, the true people who understand me and like who I am, those are the people that I associate with. Uh, But it's, it's hard for the, it's hard for the younger people. I see them struggle with it, especially, Um, You know, they're like, oh, you know, your friends want you to listen to hip hop and and maybe you you just listen to metal or whatever it may be exclusively. And then you have this inner emotional um, uh, struggle and then you also may have your parents, you know, that may not get it. Um, So it's a it's a very tough issue. And I, I definitely have to have you back on again. Uh, because you were the most requested. Everybody's like, where are you going to get Lana on the show? When are you? She's great. She's great. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yes. People, you have no idea, Lana. People really love you. As much as I love you, people really get what you're doing. It's just that we live some in a crummy society that, like you said, there's a lot of cultural displacement that occurs. But there are people that, you know, I, I gave your book actually to a friend of mine and she like read it and she was like, you know, I never thought about these things. And this this was someone who was not even black herself, but I was like, you know, I really want you to read this. And this is not me being like, you know, here's some propaganda for you to read. <laughs> um, but, you know, but I really want you to read this and, and just give me your opinion. She was like, you know, yeah, I really really like this. She's like, it's just it's such an interesting, uh, you know, perspective. And now when she sees people of color, now she has a higher respect, and she's not making those same assumptions as as before. Like I get the same thing. Like people look at me and they're like, oh, you just listen to hip hop, and I was like, well, hip hop is a part of my life, but hey, I I bust out a Metallica record. I listen to Iron Maiden, and, and a lot of bands contact me and. You know they're like oh they, It's a shocker for them that I'm black Like it, it's They're expecting a white woman Maybe they're expecting like full metal Jackie or something like that but uh, I just it, It's a it, to me I take it As an advantage I don't even care At this point like if I, I if Someone whoever wants to work with me I work with them and then Whoever you know doesn't They're like oh you're black I'm like well you know what You're missing out on something good that's your loss Well,
3: yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think that it's, it it still fascinates me. You know, it's very easy for people to assume, look at you and say, um, okay, you should be listening to this and this and this. But it's just, I just always say, why? You don't, we don't do that to white folks. No, nope. we don't do that to white folk. But I think one thing that has to be mentioned, and I should have mentioned this before, um, which is an issue across the board in terms of alternative music, is that you know we have to also remember that. And I'm, I'm working on my thesis. I was actually doing some research on this this week. Is this how, you know, heavy metal, even rock and roll back in the day, all these genres that we're interested in are socially maligned. So there is a stereotype that's that's really based on um the 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 music the history of the music um who's perceived as a listener of the music so in terms of the black community um that's another issue where back in the 60s and I think I talk about this in my book where there was a resistance for black people even listening to rock and roll or Chuck Berry because there was this um you know respectability politics as to what the music represented and then as we get older Um, or as time went on, you know, now the music is also still social, especially extreme metal, which I listen to, you know, it's still socially maligned generally. So you're dealing with, in terms of black communities, is not only are you involved in, like, you know, you're involved with white people, but you're also involved within a genre and a culture that has always been socially maligned in general because, you know, devil worshipping, drug use, drinking, Um, sexual promiscuity. There's all these, you know, issues that are surrounding how we perceive the the music culture in general. Um, But I think that, you know, it's just, I don't understand people that can in this day and age can just look at you and assume that you must listen to hip, Jesus Christ, hip hop. (laughs) Hip hop's only 30 odd years old, you know? And it's just like, are we robots? Should we all be listening to the same? Should we all be listening to, I don't even know who's popular these days because I don't listen to it,
1: you know, but say it's Kanye West I, and
3: uh, oh Lord Kendrick Lamar.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, you know, I just, yeah, I'm just not into that. You know, I mean, I'm, hip hop is a part of my life too. I grew up on it, um, you know, when I was 11 or 12, it, it meant, you know, when Public Enemy and Run BMC and and all that stuff came out, I mean, it meant a lot to me, and it did make me understand my blackness, and it did make me proud of who I was, but so did heavy metal, and I grew up, I listened, I was a, I was a metal fan before I was a hip-hop fan, but I mean, I think people are just, you know, no offense to anyone, and I'm talking very generally here, but people are fucking stupid, you know, really, <laughs> because you can't, you can't just, look at somebody and say, oh, they must do this and they must do that. And because we're lazy and we don't want to really treat people or look at people or refer to people based on their individuality as they are as a person, we just throw these tropes on them, you know. And I think that, you know, this is what's really hindering um, so much active black participation within our, you know, within, um, you know, extreme music communities and other things because we are oh they if they don't do this there's something wrong because we've just categorized people in our minds and we're just so resistant to thinking outside of the box in terms of really, you know, interacting and and, and interacting with people based on their individual um likes and dislikes and traits and passions. You know, it's very easy. It's very easy to be to stereotype people. Um, but really, you know, this is really hindering active participation within the scenes. And it's actually, and it's hindering awesome, awesome musicians and journalists and industry workers who are passionate about their music and want to work and are talented and will not get these breaks because somebody can just easily dismiss them because of their ethnicity and their gender. And that's, that's very unfair. It's not right, and it's very unfair. And I think that we really need to try and figure out ways where people have their um, opportunity to be able to pursue the careers that they want, which is really great what you're doing, you know, what you're doing with your podcast and what you're doing with your work because you're doing it on your own and you're doing it, you are you know, you're charting your own path. And so we have to encourage other people to chart their own path because I can't I mean I'd be lying I mean we can make changes in the outside industry by being there by being present by being journalists by going to shows but ultimately I think that sometimes we also do need to start our own thing and and bring people into the fold on our terms instead of waiting for other people to do it for us
1: absolutely because I I tell you when I go to shows you know, uh, and that's why, I, like, I, I always tell my mother the same thing. I was like, you know, I commend Lana so much because I experience what you experience. When you go to these shows, you know, people want to look at you some sort of way or, you know, sometimes the environment can get um, very hostile. So it's gotten to the point where, you know, if I go to a show and I I honestly have to bring, like, a bodyguard with me, like, two or three people because there are many times where people want to start a fight. Other women, I hate to say, some of them want to start a fight Mm -hmm. or they don't want Mm -hmm. to associate because they don't want to be seen as like, I would say like a scene groupie. And, you know, like I agree with you with extreme forms of metal out there. Nobody wants to really um, touch it per se. And then if there is an opportunity you know, I mean, I get the same thing where I like I present my show to somebody and then, you know, someone will look at it and be like, eh, no, you know, she's whatever, whatever they want to find. And then what ends up happening is I'm like, look, it's honestly, it's your loss because you are not taking a chance on somebody who would be open. I don't know many black people for the exception of you and maybe a couple of handfuls of other people just from me being in the scene so far. That cover extreme versions of metal without making it a religious issue or making it like the parental association issue, you know, and saying, like you said, the devil's music and things like that. So I think that's why social media, it's so easy now. That's why I always tell these young kids ask me, they're like, oh, how do you do this? I'm like, it's it's something where you, it's self-application. You have to have some determination there, and you just have to do it. Go to those shows. You take a couple friends with you if you need that type of protection, you know, just in case, you know, something wants to go down. At least you have people there that are able to watch out for you.
3: Yeah, but I also find, too, that I agree. Like, I, that's what I've been – that's what I – I mean, I was asked this question um, when the book came out, and people were like, what, what advice would you give? to people that, you know, would go to a show or whatever. And I do believe that, you know, um, if you need to go in twos or threes to make yourself comfortable, then go. But one other thing, too, is that people are all talk and people also want to intimidate you. So if you go to a show or you're, you know, you're getting involved in the scene and somebody tries to step to you, I found that if you, you know, if you stand your ground, they'll back off. Hmm. So, I mean you have to remember that you might feel intimidated by going into a show, but people are just as intimidated of, uh, you know, of you. So don't let, you know, don't let being the only one um, hinder you from active participation. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. I mean, we, you know, like, you know, music is enjoyment and music is, is um, there for pleasure and no one should ever, Feel that they cannot do it Because they're not wanted Or do not belong The music is created for you You know Um, I also think that in terms of You know one thing that people They want to do Get into like doing a podcast Or you know doing a zine Or writing for publication Is yes be professional Be very professional And unfortunately you are going to have to bust your ass You cannot half ass it as a black person in, in in the scene, you cannot half-ass it. You're going to have to go twice as hard. Um, you know, I resent it. I had to do that for many years, and I resent it. But, I mean, I also know that, you know, that you will be perceived by the work that you do um, versus, and your skills and your talent and your passion. I think that one of the problems with the extreme metal scene or the extreme music scenes in general is that, you know, it's like people are very judgmental because they think that you think it's cool. They're very worried about what the mainstream society thinks about these cultures. So, you know, they're very judgmental in terms of testing your your knowledge on whatever genre that you're interested in. So you need to learn your shit. You need to know your shit. And you need to know your shit not simply because to prove yourself, but also to do a good job at whatever you do. And that's just for anything. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, one of the problems, too, is that if people are saying, um, oh, you know, ladies and I don't want to be on your show because you're a black woman, it's just sort of like, you are media, and you, they are hurting themselves. Like, in order for these uh, scenes and these cultures to um, continue, we need as many people hyping bands and promoting bands and promoting music and and doing great reviews and really, you know, cultivating how awesome, you know, this scene is. It's not a viable it's not economically viable for people to be dismissing you or ostracizing you from participating in these scenes. It's just not a good business model, which is something that I just don't really understand and, you know, cuz I've had my share of bullshit from people And I'm just sort of like, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself. If you're so passionate about this scene, if you're trying to ostracize me as a journalist, you're hurting yourself. Because we need people. We need people to support it. And it's not good to ostracize people out of it. doesn't make any sense.
1: Regardless of whether you have a vagina mm -mm. or not. Right. No. doesn't make any sense. That's the part that kills me the most is... You know, if there's a female fronted band, people want to throw up a front. you know, people want to put up some type of, you know, like they're not as serious or they're not as legitimate as, you know, every other band out there. And I was like, okay, well, let's say, you know, if this was an all white band, okay, then no one would have something to say. And if they did, it wouldn't be as bad as, I remember way back when, when Wicked Wisdom was part of OzFest and I would just read through the comments. It's like, whether you like Jada Pinkett Smith or not, okay, that's your personal preference. But at least she was trying to do something, and just the comments people were uh, were saying, they were just like, oh, she's not authentic. She's... I was like, well, how many bands out there I see performing? And I'm like, they're not authentic. But if I say it, you know, then then there's an issue. Versus if... Eddie Trunk or any of these other people say it, um, then, you know, it's okay. So that's, that's always been a struggle, but like, I always tell myself and, you know, like I said, when I, I found your book, it was on accident, but I honestly believe it was meant for me to read it. Um, because that would I was about to quit this scene. I like, a lot of black women, I was like, you know, uh, this is crazy, you know, but I, some, I just kept going because I was like, you know what? If if someone like you can do this and militia and, you know, and Tamara Khali and, and Jean Grey and a lot of these other women that do just fantastic work that they're finally getting recognized for. I'm like, I don't see if I, I that I'm you know, I can do this as well as all these white girls out here can put on their weave and. be all like crazy and you know exactly what i'm talking about and i Mm -hmm. even have a quarter of the talent you know not even to make myself come off conceited but like there are some of these girls i see these industry girls and i'm like look only reason why you're here is because you're a pretty face and you're a skinny white girl and that's why you're here i don't see any time but then when they see my work or they see your work and they're like oh you know, I oh, they're really serious about this. So, you know, to me that's why I I always respect what you do. I always, you know, I'm always reading and and just looking into all different types of researchers because it, it it's something that it needs to happen and it needs to to continue and that's why you know, for me that's why I do it because I I have a love of the music, but but I also just love that fact when people when I bust people's balls and and they don't, you know, they don't, it doesn't match up for them. That's always the fun part of doing what, you know, we do is we don't, you know, fit the 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 demographic of of what people assume for this scene to be.
4: Well, well, yeah, well
3: true, but I just, I'm just sort of like, if you can't, no one, like, I think the whole thing is is like, you know, come back at them and just say, can you justifiably tell me why I shouldn't be doing this?
1: Exactly, and they,
3: and they're not going to have an answer for you. I no. think that, and I honestly do believe. Like, look, I'm 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 in my forties, okay, and and you um, look fabulous, by the way. Well, thank you. Black don't crack. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think that it's it's you know, like it's just like I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me, okay? Like, because there's no justifiable reason why I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I'm not going to let some somebody I don't even fucking know tell me what I'm not, I should and should not be doing. Um, one thing I hated was, you know, I, I've dated men in the past who have been, who've tried to do that in terms of saying, you should listen to reggae, you should listen to Calypso, you should listen to hip-hop. And it's it, it just bothered me to no end because it's like, mm. um, you ain't paying my bills, you ain't paying my rent, you didn't bring me into this world, you don't tell me what I'm going to do with my life It just makes no goddamn sense, okay? So you you just need to do you. Now I think that you know it's you know in terms of authenticity, like in the Wicked Wisdom thing. I mean, I was really interested in that, and I think that it's funny because I think a lot of it is, you know, um, intimidation and resentment. You had a all black band, um, and the band was really good. I just I personally did not like the music. Mm-hmm. I did not like Wicked Wisdom's music, um, but I think that in terms of who she got to be in that band, she had some amazing, amazing musicians. But there's a sense of intimidation um, because you're seeing people who have been perceived in society as being downtrodden um, do something even better than some of the white bands on that um, Ozzfest, you know, tour that year were doing. So a lot of that is, and then there's Jada, who's a Hollywood actress and all that stuff, too. Um, You know, so we're always going to have to deal with authenticity, but I think we always have to remember that while we're being judged or our authenticity is being challenged, you know, obviously there's a lot of issues um, that are, are beneath that, where people are just sort of like, I want you to be under my thumb, and you are no longer under my thumb, and I don't know how to deal with it. But I honestly, as much as you know, um, you know, I've been talking, you know, doom and gloom. I mean, I wouldn't be in the scene if there wasn't support. I wouldn't be in the scene if there were there were not people who have who perceive me as me, as and they judge me on my work. Um, they don't judge me on the fact that you know I'm black and I'm a woman. They judge me on my work. If you don't like my work, that's fine. But they judge me on what I produce. And I do believe that regardless of the issues that surround, you know, race and and music and, you know, and the stereotypes surrounding that, I do believe that, you know, within these scenes are the best people I've ever met in my life. They're the most, um, you know, some of the white dudes, some of my friends um, are the most open-minded, um, like, comrades that, you know, I've I've had in my life. So there's a lot of positive things, but obviously, there's you know there's a resistance in getting to certain levels. Yes, there is that. But I think we also have to remember that we are part of a larger community, and that community, for the most part, is pretty damn awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've met some, even myself, some you know wonderful people that uh, I think I would never have met. And I mean, in a place like Wisconsin, too. You know, it's kind of dry out here. <laughs> So it, it it's nice to to meet people who, you know, you can have these just really interesting conversations, um, that you usually would not have, you know. And I and I like I always say, and and you know, even my audience here is always saying like that we have to have you back on again. I have to maybe my someday do a panel myself and get some, just wonderful people, you know, to talk and and to really deal with this topic because it's just it's such a well first it's an interesting topic and secondly it's something that i i've not a lot of people address so i appreciate you coming on lana and and how can people get in touch with you because i'm sure everybody's like we want to send you emails of of compliments
3: (laughs) well the best probably the best the fastest way right now is to go onto facebook um and go onto the what are you doing here um Facebook page, which is, yeah, so it's just what are you doing here, book. Um, You can definitely leave messages there. Um, I'm pretty, um, I respond pretty quickly. So, and, you know, um, again, things have been a little, you know, I'm hoping to do some stuff this year. But, you know, with graduate school, it's, Mm -hmm. um, it's kicking my ass. But um, but please, I think the Facebook page is probably the best place to also find out what events are happening. And what I do, too, is really kind of promote, um, you know, there's people going on tour or somebody's having a show. Um, you know, this is the place where you can find it and just find out when people are coming to your city. Um, I primarily promote, you know, obviously black women um, musicians. If there's any albums coming out or anything that I've, you know, I find out about everything kind of goes on this page. So yeah, definitely go to Facebook. Uh, What are you doing here?
1: Book.com. Absolutely. Lena, thank you so much for coming on. And like, I, I know people are appearing to be like, Oh, she's kissing her ass, but I don't care. I I love what you do. (laughs) I I, I I truly do love what you do and you know you inspire me every day I mean there are times where I'm like man you know I'm having a bad day and I'm like oh these people you know or, you know, a door gets closed where I'm like, ah, this is a door I was really interested in. But then I, I have your book on, on my mantle on displays, and then I look at that, and I'm like, no. I was like, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to piss all these people. You know, there's going to be another door that will open, another opportunity that will open as well.
3: Yeah, well, thank you so much for that. And, you know, and thank you for having me on your show. This was a lot of fun.
1: Yes, I I enjoy you, and and. And everybody who comes on here, I'm, I'm very grateful that you know. In such a short amount of time, I've I've talked to such well-respected people, and, and I'm gonna keep going.
3: <laughs> no, de- you know, please do definitely, definitely. You know, Absolutely. that's that's all you can do. is Stay black and die.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yep. So I'll be keeping in touch because I know with grad school, it, it's been crazy. But I, I, you're like, you know, you're like a sister to me. You're like an older sister, so I'll be keeping in touch. <laughs>
3: I like how you added the older to that. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. <laughs> yeah, well, no, so definitely. Well, Yeah, thank you so much for this. This was great. This was a lot of fun.
1: Absolutely. You take care of yourself. Relax. It's the weekend. Okay. Have a blast.
3: Thank you. You too. Take
1: care. All right. You as well. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. And you just heard from, of course, my sister, not not like old, okay? Uh, that was Lena Dawes, of course, author of the book. You can get this on Amazon. It, it's great. Uh, it's called Black Woman's Life and Liberation in Heavy Metal. What are you doing here? And the forward is actually done by Skin of Skunkanazi, which is great. Um, if you are looking for a book that, I mean, this book, and I'm not even, you know, bullshitting you, this is a book that changed my life. This was a book that got me going in the right direction, like I was, like I mentioned during the interview, I almost gave up on the scene. You know, I thought that with all these people who were looking at me and hating on me and doing that, and I was focusing on that. That you know, I have this book on my mantle, and when I look at it every day, is a reminder that success is based on determination, but also having that spirit that that says to yourself, just keep going. And with God above, I'm so. I'm, I'm just so blessed to, to be able to do what I do and talking to the people that I talked with. So, let's get back into the music here. And then quickly, too, we'll have a food for thought. Uh, of course, the second part of Alternative Beatdown, the conversation was so damn good <laughs> that I didn't have a chance to do the news cap. But that doesn't matter. It was a great, great program today. Here is an artist that I, I love. These guys are just fantabulous. Okay, they're representing the Heavy metal, 70s hard rock, the doom, the stoner, just a fantastic band. Okay, here are my friends, Cave of Swimmers, and this is called "The Prince of the Power of the Air." Ah ah ah! Here on the Curvy Metalhead Show. That was Cave of Swimmers with the Prince of the Power of the Air. Such a great homage to like 70s rock and metal. And and I love the fact you you definitely get that system of a down feeling with this band. And and I've always loved bands that just ah oh, that just make music fun. So please make sure you can go to their official site, which is caveofswimmers.com. Or you can follow them on Twitter at com slash cave of swimmers. Uh, uh, uh. So i like to leave you these last couple minutes here of a quick food for thought. Lena mentioned during the interview this idea that, you know, you're not black, you're you. And I think that's such a crucial thing that really resonated with me today is that at the end of the day, you have to not give two craps what people think about you. Because when you care about what people think about you, then you're going to have a crappy life. And I unfortunately spent, you know, a good chunk of my life caring what people had to say. So today's artist is definitely someone, the last artist that I have, of course, (laughs) Ah, oh, talk it, talk it, right? Um, but the last artist that I have today is someone who is definitely familiar with this issue of just, you know, she struggled to be herself, and now she is. Of course, she, you know, can be ratchet at times, but here's some new music for you. Please make sure you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash curvymetal. I also have a Pinterest at pinterest.com slash metal. My Facebook fan page, which is facebook.com slash metal or you can follow me as a friend, which is at Facebook.com slash And you definitely don't want to miss out any of the cool tidbits of the Curvy Metalhead Show TV program, which is at YouTube.com slash user slash And here is K Michelle with Hard To Do. And remember to stay classy and don't be trashy.